Welcome to the Zen Denizens, the podcast that brings you the best of wellness, mental health, and happy living. We are your hosts, dedicated to helping you live your best lives by exploring vast and sometimes challenging topics that promote positivity and wellness. So sit back, relax, and get ready to dive into the world of the Zen Denizens. Spring is growing season. The Zen Denizens have been enjoying seeing nature come alive after the world's well-deserved winter rest. This is a season of growth for plants, animals, and humans too. We invite you to join us for this episode focused on growth. Our podcast today begins with a conversation between the Massachusetts Air National Guard's Wing Directors of Psychological Health and the 102nd Military and Family Readiness Staff. Our interest peaked by National Trails Day. The group shares past stories, current motivations, and future planning resources all surrounding outdoor adventures. In our second piece, it's time to get to know one of our Zen denizens, Chaplain Ryan Yee. Listen to Chaplain Yee's story about how he became a chaplain and his discussion with Seniorman Framuki from the Military and Family Readiness Office on the role of faith, religion, and understanding individual spirituality. We close out today's show with a deeper dive into the services available from the Sapper office. The Sark and her team of professionals are well known, but how well do you know the services that they provide? Stay tuned as our Sark shares valuable information on what our airmen and families can do to protect themselves and what resources are available. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for today's discussion inspired by National Trails Day. I'm Erin Fay, Military and Family Readiness Program Manager here at the 102nd. The first weekend of the month in our community is typically marked by Drill Weekend. We are keenly aware and sometimes actively dismissive of observances and events happening outside the gates. As we arrive early in the morning and dedicate our day to training and reconnecting to our guard family. This month is no different. Each year on the first Saturday in June, American Hiking Society and the Trails community invite Americans of all ages and abilities to find our own adventure at one of the thousands of trails and events hosted in every state. Events include guided hikes, bikes and equestrian rides, trail rides, paddling trips, stewardship projects, and more. So why would we be talking about this? Like many things, the spirit and the intention of the observance can be the catalyst. It got the Zen denizens thinking about the power of getting outside in the joys of even backyard adventures. And that's gonna be our conversation today as we talk about our favorite outside walks, benefits of being outside for mental and physical well-being, and how to find those adventures. We welcome our guests today. We have Jill Garvin, our Director of Psychological Health. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. We have Michelle Tarka from the 104th as their Director of Psychological Health. Good morning, thank you for having me. And Brian Famuki, Senior Airman, working for Transition Assistance at the Military and Family Readiness Office. Thank you for having me. I'd like to start today's conversation with talking about why getting outside is even important. Uh, Would you like to, uh, Michelle, the critical role of getting outdoors, playing, and wellness, would you like to explore that with us for a little bit? Sure. Um, Hello, everyone again. Um, So I think we're all pretty familiar with kind of the trending terms of mindfulness and grounding, but there's actually a lot of science behind it, and grounding in particular is coming a little bit more to the forefront, and an alternate term for it is actually earthing, where you can, it's 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 a therapeutic technique of just reconnecting to the earth, and it involves doing activities that ground or elect electrically reconnect you to the earth and it can reset our minds and our bodies there's plenty of research that has shown it can reset our cognitive abilities improve our attention problem solving and not to mention the physical health benefits of being outside relaxing and just reconnecting to the sounds of nature, um, our beginnings in nature, helping us to find gratitude and appreciation for the environment that's around us. Is there anything 
that is a minimal that a person would need to do to get those benefits? Bare feet in the grass. <laughs> and literally walking around. Um, a lot of the physical research has to do with helping reset our alignment in our body as well. Could you, uh, alignment, what do you mean by that? Physical alignment. We mm -hmm. weren't born to wear combat boots 12 hours a day or um, high heels eight hours a day or, or what have you, even Nike Airs. So getting our feet back in the grass helps to realign our, our, our natural body gait and stature. My son ran track in high school and college, and his both his coaches, they were required to <coughs> walk barefoot on the track a certain amount of time every week just to get their sensations back to their feet and being able to make that connection to the ground helps them run faster and again keep their alignment correct so yeah yeah and I think it's like Michelle said a great um a great form of of mindfulness there's a lot of you can even look up um walking meditations it, it's nice to use all your senses to listen to look at the colors the air the the grounding <clears throat> but there are also uh, meditations that will guide you and remind you to do that while you're walking um, you know look up and notice like little prompts that are helpful if you're not used to that um, and I know a lot of people that come in and and see me it's they're constantly you know, th they call it like the monkey brain, like we're constantly overstimulated, worrying about stuff, uh, worrying about the past and, and worrying about the future. So walking can also help with emotional regulation, um, just kind of quieting uh, that inner voice. I went um, on a, a silent retreat, which everyone thought was horrifying. <laughs> I didn't think I would like it either about three or four months ago. And um, with a lot of, like, insight meditation um, practices, they uh, have you do silent meditation or sitting meditation, and then they also do um, uh, walking meditation, inside or outside. So some people, you know, they, they would walk at a regular play, at a regular um, pace, and then others, they look like zombies outside like very very it looks very strange but the purpose of it um was to focus on putting your left foot down bringing it up you know and then and then the right so again helping with mindfulness focusing um being in in your body so even when I come in to work sometimes and I've got like six bags and my coffee and my water and I'm rushing out of my car I will actually slow down on the sidewalk and just like, okay, left foot, right foot, you know, and it mm -hmm. does calm my nervous system down, you know, focusing on my feet, but even little things like that. And, and so being outside and noticing like your foot hitting the ground and then using all your senses um, is a great way to take care of our mental health. Well, and it naturally triggers that deep breathing or mindful breathing as well while you're doing that, which is uh, amazing mm -hmm. to just preparing us for the day or resetting any anxious thoughts that we're having. It can really alleviate that situation that's great to do before you head into the office yeah. and while you're leaving the office. And during lunch. <laughs> And Good. before you go to bed. <laughs> great great transition. <laughs> so, you know, what... I was thinking about when you were talking about those prompts and those senses is really in the physical touch. And um, we had talked a little bit beforehand about, you know, auditory and uh, the importance of what's around you and listening. And uh, I'm a big I'm a big smeller. I'm a huffer. So I always smell my food and I like to smell flowers. And um, so the olfactory senses for me is a big trigger. And 
we talked about uh, our favorite walks. So the memories of that and what kind of senses uh, were part of that. And, you know, my favorite walk, and I've told this story to a lot of people, is I used to go down to the Shining Sea bike path in Falmouth, which is very pretty. I'd go past the surf drive beach right where it starts to right past trunk river and the trees are coming back over and it's getting shaded and you're getting off that really heavy ocean smell and there was just this time of year this beautiful large lilac and the oh the air was moist and heavy and the air was cool and in the same breath and smell of this heavy moist air was salt and lilac and the feeling and the smell brings me back all the emotions that I was feeling at that. And that was probably like two and a half miles into my walk. So I was feeling energized and my body was calm and I had let go out of all the things that were holding in my head. And I was finally at peace and in the place that I was at, at my outdoor activity. And uh, yeah, it, it uh, brings back those kind of memories for me. So I was interested in, um, you guys sharing what some of your favorite walks were in, in those kind of memories. Brian, do you have uh, something for us? Yes, I do. Um, I think my favorite walk would be, uh, first off, usually when I go out to a, on a trail walk, I walk on on the ground, and then after that, I take it into the water. So if there's like a little a stream or a river, I try to walk in it just to connect because I believe water has a lot of has many uh, beneficial properties to walk in water, just not just the earth. So I connect with the earth and then I go into the water and I also get some of the energy that comes with the water as it's flowing downhill. So that's usually some of my more favorite walks and use. And what I do is I walk downstream and I walk up and um, walking on the trail. And then when I'm coming down, I get into the water and I just walk all the way downstream and find an exit path. That's really interesting. I like that. Mm-hmm. You I should try I'll it. Walk with you. You should. We should <laughs> do it sometime. Yes. Uh, I was just thinking about some of my earlier favorite rock um, walks from my childhood. I remember. Um, being in a park with my dad and there was like a pile of leaves and I think my dad worked a lot so I didn't always get to spend a lot of quality time with him but I remember us being outside and playing in the leaves and that's a memory that's always stuck with me and also memories of just any time that our family went swimming there were really big parks where I grew up um it's always, those are just some of my favorite earlier memories. And then today, I I do like um, to be on trails. Um, the Cape has a lot of amazing trails, so I do that a lot. I take my dog. I find that very grounding and, and good for uh, my mental health. And and starting to enjoy the the. Uh, ocean here more. You know, I've been here eight years, and I just started to really even appreciate that a lot more. And even though I know it's really good to listen to nature, I have had um, some pretty great experiences walking with music. Like uh, when I think about some walks, I think about the song I was listening to, or if I hear a song, I think about the walk. So sometimes coupled with that, I remember walking on um, a beach somewhere and and a song playing, and that memory still, like I can remember the wind blowing Mm -hmm. in my hair and the sun and the song I was listening to. So uh, music really also helps me with, with that. Excellent. Yeah. Um, For me, uh, I would have to say it was one afternoon. I have a good friend who has a horse farm, and I go there and help her as much as I can. And it had just finished raining, but it was springtime, maybe early summer. The grass was so green. There was a dogwood tree in full bloom. The sun just started to come up through the clouds, and this double rainbow just over her barn, popped out, full double rainbow. And when I looked to my left as I was walking through the grass, 
the end of the rainbow was in front of me on the ground. I've <sighs> never seen that before in my life. I was very lucky that I was able to take a picture and she has it hanging up in her barn. But I just thought that was amazing. The colors are, uh, the colors were, I, I can't even, with mm -hmm. the sun coming out of the clouds, that dogwood tree, the pink, the dark green of the grass, and that double rainbow, it was, that's what is my favorite. I can, I can feel it right now. It was just electric. Oh, I can't compare to wow. that. That was good. Right? Save the I best to go on that walk with good. you. What also makes me think about when people come in to talk, and a lot of times when people come in, they're stressed out or upset or having anxiety or, or in a crisis. And sometimes we will talk about coming up with like a, a safe space. What would that look like? And you can make something up. You can uh, think about uh, another memory. Uh, that way, if you do get really uh, activated or upset, you can go back to that space to kind of calm calm your nervous system down. So I love the what Michelle was saying, that that's like a memory you can fall back on when you're feeling stressed and really uh, remembering all the senses and what you smelled and what you saw. And um, we all need a little safe space within us, right? Oh, well, definitely. And what I find interesting from all these stories is that every one of us found a different piece of that memory, a different sense that mm. stayed with us. Yeah. So um, we had smell. Mm -hmm. Yours was really that physical feeling of the water. Yes. And... Jill, yours was sound, almost yeah, like the leaves. Listening and the yep. leaves and the music. And the music. And mine was the color. So mm -hmm. I think it's important that, you know, we can talk about all these things, but I hope people understand that or realize that it's individualized. This isn't a, a plan. Everyone's going to find their own special way to ground themselves that's unique and that's the most beneficial for them. So, you know, everyone is individual. We have our own experiences. We have our own perspectives that bring us to different challenges or maybe different periods of anxiety or worry, but they can also bring us to different periods and different places of calm and comfort. And soothing. I always like mm -hmm. the word, or sometimes I'll ask someone or or myself, if I'm having a stressful day, what am I going to do to soothe myself, you know, after work or during the day? And often that is just getting outside, doing a small walk, and, and noticing everything. Knowing that uh, you, uh, the panelists, and as well as our listeners, lead really busy lives, what uh, suggestions do you have or, or how do you access this stuff on a, so Jill, you just mentioned that on a day-to-day -day basis, being able to take those moments out. What are some other good ideas that we could offer our listeners? I'd say one good idea, what I usually think I have a busy day, I'll just go outside sometimes and just kind of listen to nature speak to me. And um, that's through the wind, hitting uh, the leaves and stuff and just water running and I find that very interesting because nature kind of pr provides everything that we need when and connecting. And I used to say nature provides the best music because the music that nature provides is the most peaceful music. This is why people tend to resonate a lot with the natural birds chipping and just water running, just like um, the rain sounds. And I try to use what I have if I'm in an area where doesn't where, where there isn't an availability of maybe a forest i just try to go somewhere that has a lot of greenery and just hang out there and just sometimes talk to the trees and just you know engage and that's how i usually uh, find ways to replace not having the the huge um trees and forests and stuff like that well, we have plenty of wind out here. There'll never be a shortage of that <laughs> on the no days if we walk wind. around here. There's, there's this great picture I saw, Brian. It's um, a set of lungs and looking up at a tree from underneath. So you know how your lungs have yes. all the 
and then the tree looked exactly the same and just how how connected we are to nature and things like that. I got to find that picture. I'll send it yeah, to you. Yeah, there's a book amazing. too that was written about how the trees sort of talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I've sent that book. The roots. Yeah, yeah, it's really yep. interesting. So for me, it's it's birds. Every morning, I I wake up and I listen to. Um, I just open my slider, and because I get up early, I have my only, like alone time. Have my coffee and just listen to all the birds waking up. It's it's very soothing and comforting and just last week actually was sent an article about the mental health benefits of bird sounds so um and how just like music that can help improve our cognitive functioning for the day so i didn't even know i was doing that i thought (laughs) i was just squirreling away some private time <laughs> but i was actually you're doing improving your mental myself. health that's right jill you and i have talked uh, over the years about how to look forward to things how to say what you want your future to be and to set those intentions and in that kind of idea i think that a lot of us have bucket lists of things we want to do in what kind of ways would we have uh, our panelists do walks you want to do or places you want to go or, or what kind of things in the near or far future or if I ever, ever could kind of places do you have in that, in that world? I mean, there are some. Uh, years ago, I was in Italy. I think it's called Cinque Terre, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's... Uh, on a cliff, all these beautiful houses, and, you know, you could walk around around that, which that is a luxury. But now when I, well, if I'm having a hard time getting outside, I try to visualize myself being outside and, you know, being on a path, being in, in the woods. And even though I will sometimes think about these fascinating places to go and walk, or even I'll start, I'm going to go to Vermont or New Hampshire and go to all these like beautiful local places. And then last summer, I decided there's so many trails on the Cape that, you know, every weekend or every couple of weeks that I'm going to discover a new trail. Uh, I I was really surprised when I moved here just how many there are. So that's going to be my intention this summer is to just explore more trails on the Cape, and like I've never been out to, what what's that called out in um, P-Town? The race? The dune, no, not a race. I'm no. not racing. No, it's <laughs> called the race. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's the path where you can take oh, bikes, and uh, it's like, it's the bike path, but they call it something, mm-hmm. like some hills and things like that. It's supposed to be really beautiful, but yeah, so I'm trying to keep it simple. Did you see that you could rent Italy. one of the artist cabins down there? Yes. I was like, wow, I want to go and hang out in nature in the middle of a dune and listen to all that and have everything go away. I know. That would have been great. Part of the cave. You can rent. I'm renting that cabin. It's part of the National Seashore uh, where they are allowing people to rent these little shacks. I don't think oh. they have anything, electricity or anything, but still, who cares? Um, I would say that I would like to explore the United States more. So I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I think that would be amazing. Or the Redwood Forest, right? Right, Brian? Yeah, that's right. Yep. The colors and just those those massive trees. And and I, I think I'm more drawn to that now since they were almost completely lost with that wildfire not too long ago. So um, being able to see those things that we, we have just in our mm-hmm. own country. Mm-hmm. Yellowstone, mm-hmm. I'd love to go there someday. Right. Well, for me, I uh, would love to find myself in uh, by Niagara Falls. I think I have a thing for water. I love seeing water, huge mass body of water falling down, and it's just very peaceful for me. Another place I would love to be at would be, say, the Great Pyramids of Giza and mm-hmm. other areas such as... Um, the, the Grand Canyon, like you said, I've heard a lot of interesting stories. 
very some strong energies over there. So I would love to go and experience those, you know, experiences that people talk about. I guess so uh, on my bucket list, my daughter, when she was four or so, joined the Junior Rangers of the National Park Service. And so now she has this, like, little jacket and badge. And um, our goal when we go travel is to find state and national parks to go. And we take a walk, and then we visit the park rangers, and the park rangers give us a sheet. And then she has to, now that she's of a certain age, she needs to fill it out and turn it back, and then she gets pins or little um, tokens that say that she's part of that park. So the more we travel, the more we're incorporating those things into it. And she was up in New Hampshire being able to get the paperwork, and we didn't go back to turn it back in. So definitely getting getting the little one back on there and then seeing what's around us to be able to do that more and get some of those things knocked out. But that's a really fun family way to go ahead and, and connect with nature and make sure that she appreciates it and can see all the different amazements and beauty and wonder and get those experiences and we're lucky to live in such a beautiful place that has so much so what can we tell our listeners about um how to find some of these things what are the, what are the resources around that you would suggest to access some of like you know, I know jill you were saying some local things and we had talked about some even like yeah the the sierra club which is national but every community uh, has that there are churches that have walking groups there you know meet up walking groups but there are uh, communities of different walking groups uh, even divided by some age groups if you're a slower walker or a faster walker and then of course there's probably a gazillion links I think you looked up some stuff where you can find uh, often in the summer when my sister visits I will look at like Best Cape Cod top 10 trails. Uh, you can use like Google stuff, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, there's um, so many things, but your local parks and rec for your town always has information about what's available locally. Um, obviously, National Park Service, um, a lot of the local bike shops too. Um, I know some of the mountain bike shops around where I live, they all have different groups with different abilities that you can go on a tour on the weekend or after work with a group through a bike shop. So there's a lot of a lot of opportunity out there. There's a lot of kayaking around here, mm-hmm. uh, and you can really get into some of those inlets and places that you wouldn't normally be able to get to. So that's a great way to get outside, too, and see some of these things. Uh, the National Park Service has free passes for military, so if they do charge, you're able to go apply for those passes, and you're able to get your family in for free. Those that go along with veterans as well, and I believe fourth graders I believe fourth graders get a free pass to the national parks too, but definitely go ahead and and look at that website for that. And that's a pretty easy uh, navigation when you get on the national park service and there is, there is a link for passes. Yeah. And there's a lot of local organizations like heroes in transition where they do fishing trips and, and walking groups. So they also do a lot of free outdoor activities. Mm -hmm. New England adventures is another one that Mm -hmm. does a lot of programming that way. Yeah, and right. they do all across um, New England. And uh, if you're a solo out there, you can check out some uh, apps on the App Store, such as um, All Trails has some good mm-hmm. good information and trails around your city. You can also join a few social media groups, closed and open groups uh, that are very focused on. Exp- exploring nature and stuff like that so those are other good resources i've gotten lost on a lot of trails and i love my all trails map because it will tell me exactly where my car is how to get out how far i haven't walked (laughs) the best thing about the best thing about doing anything on cape cod is you're not going to get that lost there's water on every single edge that's true (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks so much for being here michelle thanks for taking the drive And uh, Jill and Brian and I will be seeing you guys around uh, the Otis campus. You guys have a great day and thanks for listening.
Happy Thank- Memorial Day, everybody. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Good morning. This is Seniorman Brian Famuki, your top assistant from the Zenden. Today, I'm with Chaplain Yi from the 102nd Intelligence Wing. How are you doing today, sir? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I know it's been a long time trying to get you out here, especially with your, with your busy schedule. So the topic for today is going to be about how faith plays a role in our daily lives and how it could be a, a, a factor in, in resiliency. Sir, tell us a little bit about yourself. From what I know, uh, you're actually from the Rhode Island Air National Guard. What's What was the transition like? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm part of the Rhode Island Air National Guard and came over to the 102nd ISR group to serve as their deployed in Chaplin. And yeah, usually uh, I live in Quincy, Massachusetts. I've lived there for about 11 years now, but I'm originally from Ohio, near Cleveland, Ohio. My parents came from South Korea uh, in the late 70s, and uh, yeah, we immigrated there, and we had a little small grocery store that soon became uh, more grocery stores, and just, uh, yeah, I kind of grew up in that immigrant culture, and then came to Boston to go to seminary, and uh, thought I'd be there three years and finally go somewhere warm, but now I've been here almost 20 years. Actually, longer. I've lived here longer than I've lived in Ohio. And uh, and this is coming home, even though I'll always have to be a Cleveland sports fan, a depressed one, of course, but I'll always be a Cleveland sports fan. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, uh, you know, this is my first time actually being full time at the base. I've been in 15 years and always a reserve or drill status guardsman and uh, all those experiences as a pastor, as a hospital chaplain, as a uh, chaplain at Harvard Business School have really kind of funneled and led me to this position, in my view, uh, in my faith, of, of why I'm here. And so uh, it's really cool to just be a part of this unit and, you know, to see cool things happening like this whole podcast. So, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. You have a great worth of experience working in all these different areas. And one thing I've noticed with you, Chaplain Ye, is your ability to connect with, 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 with airmen, which is sometimes difficult to do. How are you able to do that so easily? Yeah, I think there's probably two big things. One is, you know, as I mentioned, I grew up in a grocery store. So even when I was like in sixth grade, my parents put me in the uh, in the front of the registers. It was kind of like a 7-Eleven convenience store. And, you know, you just had to welcome people when they came in, you know, and, and you had to smile when they're mad at you, you know. And so kind of getting used to that kind of hospitality was important for me. I would say that's a big theme of my life, the importance of welcoming, you know, whether it's in the church or in the store or in your home. Those are all big parts of at least how I want to live my life. Um, the other part, I guess, somewhat personality. You know, my brothers also worked in the store, but they're more introverts. You know, I'm extrovert. I get a lot of energy from interacting with people, you know, because in some ways it's you hear amazing people's stories, where they're from, you know, why they're here, where they think they're going. But also, you also, through people, get to know more of yourself as well, you know? We, it's, I don't believe we really grow to understand ourselves or even really learn how to be, be loved unless we're with other people. So I think that we're created to be in community, you know? And so right. I think that's what kind of excites me about meeting people and one of the, why I think I have one of the best jobs uh, in the Air Force. So That's, that's, that's amazing. And uh, I know a lot of people are a little bit confused as to what you do exactly um people think maybe it's just more religiously focused can you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about what chaplaincy is all about and and how did you get into it yeah i mean uh i first got into it because i was getting here in boston for seminary and uh i actually struggled with weight for most of my life you know i was the oldest of three young boys and my parents put a lot of pressure on me to do well in school like a lot of immigrant parents do and, you know, I kind of dealt with that kind of anxiety and stress through a lot of eating, actually. And so uh, I remember, yeah, just always trying to lose weight, always struggling with it. And then, uh, yeah, right after college, I just started losing a lot of weight. I lost about 70 pounds. And then I went to seminary and there was a recruiter there and uh, a, a colonel chaplain recruiter. And he just said, hey, you want to join the military? And I was like, sure, because, you know, I've always been thankful for America. My dad shared how poor he grew up in Korea. And uh, I grew up really appreciating the opportunities that America has given my family and many other families as well. Um, but learning to be a chaplain in the military, I think, has been a long process of understanding what that means. Because it's different from being a pastor or uh, right. an imam of a specific faith congregation or a rabbi. 
that's your focus. You're taking care of people who have basically the same beliefs as you and same system of beliefs, uh, the rituals, practices, all that stuff. Uh, as a chaplain, it's really about serving all, you know, in terms of kind of being the lead advocate of spirituality, right? And right now in our culture, spirituality is a big deal. More right. and more people are spiritual uh, unless people are being religious, you know? And, uh, and spirituality, you know, most people think maybe it's religious actually, but they're actually quite two different things. And spirituality deals with things like meaning and purpose and identity, uh, questions that we're all wondering about all the time. And so my role is to help people develop more of a full understanding of their own spirituality. And if that's expressed through a specific religion or not religion, uh, that's up to them, you know? And that's the cool part why I love my my job is because I get to walk with people wherever they're at, you know? Whether they grew up in a certain background or didn't or want to change things up. Um, I realize as we move forward as a country, as a community, that this spiritual part, which is one of the pillars of comprehensive airman fitness, that um, a lot of people have a lot of, freedom which is great but there's not a lot of development in that it's kind of like if you're you know if i was like uh uh, working out you know and i want to make you get stronger and muscular uh you know there's a certain routine and things you have to do nutrition physical exercise a workout plan uh with spirituality which is a little more in some ways amorphous it, it requires a little more work and um one of my biggest concerns moving forward as a community and culture is that a lot of us uh, maybe don't have as strong as a spiritual understanding uh, of life and ourselves because uh, we need that when the challenging times happen, which they will, which they always will. So um, that's kind of the main thing about being a chaplain in the military, I think, is to serve, care for people, but really help develop uh, their spiritual identity, their spiritual strength. Wow. That, um, that's something I've actually struggled with, with understanding that people – might not from someone coming from a more of a religious background growing up. My grandfather was a pastor in the Presbyterian Church, so I kind of grew around church. Mm-hmm. And coming over into a different society like America, it was a little bit harder for me to 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 adjust with uh, some like with some of the beliefs that people had, which weren't necessarily from a religious background, just being spiritual. It took me some time to kind of understand what spirituality was all about. I fought against it for a little bit, but after some time, I got to a point where I had to accept and and uh, learn and understand what spirituality was all about. That though, you know, religion is more focused on on having a specific faith towards this specific entity, and spirituality is is kind of more within and with in connection with the universe to say. And um, yeah, it took me some time, but I'm happy that we're, as we're moving forward, a lot more people can understand where everyone comes from. And that's what kind of makes you, uh, that's kind of like takes me into the next question, which um, is, what is your experience with providing spiritual care to individuals from different faith backgrounds? Yeah, I mean, I think it always starts with the first number one kind of foundational a principle in my life, and I think for many people, is that to treat people with love and uh, fairness and equality, right? And uh, again, to again, I'm, I'm ordained as a Christian pastor, so in that theology, the idea is that we're all made in the image of God, and therefore we must honor everyone, no matter how different they might be, how terrible that might be, how great they might be. All are kind of made in the image of God, and so that's the really foundational principle, you know. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that. <clears throat> that kind of guides me in when I meet someone, I have no idea what their belief system is, right? Like none at all, you know? And in some ways that's kind of hard because you don't know, you know, I'm a person who likes to connect with people. So I'll try to find something to connect with them. Like, oh, where are you from? Like, what's your favorite sports team? Or like, or just something to connect with. And as you know, as you mentioned in your story, most of the world uh, finds their primary identity from religion, right? right. Uh, Americans do, but they're also have an awkward relationship with religion, you know, because of this whole separation of church and state idea. Our culture is also in a weird place where, Correct. again, you can believe what you want, but it seems like... But that's another belief system, right? Like right. there's Christianity or Islam, but some people are more like, you know, you can believe whatever you want. Uh, I'm cool with that, which is cool. But that's another belief system, right? right. Other people in other countries don't believe that, you know? And so uh, <laughs> that's another, again, religious belief in my view, that pluralistic view. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just another 
specific mm-hmm. view that's exclusive. It's actually exclusive as well. But um, beyond that, I think like when I meet with people, it's all about just caring for where they're at and who they are, you know, and remembering my own mortality, my own brokenness, you know, because uh, usually people come to me uh, when they need help. Um, and I think it's just, you know, I try to see, you know, where is God in the middle of this, you know? Like, there's a reason, for example, right now that I'm talking with you, you know? Right. Uh, there's a reason. I don't know yet. Uh, obviously, maybe just a build of friendship, get to know each other, but there's something deeper, you know? And I'm always asking myself, doing a little metacognition about what is going on here, you know? And for some people, it's clear, like, what's going on here is that they're hurting and they need help. And other people, there might be, might be something deeper going on. And so um, I think that's the big kind of guiding principle, treating people fairly, equally, uh, but at the same time, respecting people's uh, choice to believe what they want, uh, no matter if, how different it might be from mine. And to even respect how they live their life, you know, uh, and trying to help them and convince them lovingly, oh, maybe this is, maybe a, a, maybe a, a, another way might be a better way to live your life, or in terms of, you know, whether they're struggling with certain uh, substances or struggling with anxiety, you know. Um, we need help, you know. Uh, okay. America's, again, seen more and more clearly in statistics and studies that it's one of the loneliest, if not the loneliest country in the world right now. Um, Mother Teresa uh, saw that the biggest epidemic isn't disease or leprosy, it's loneliness, it's being unloved. And I think, sadly, we see that more and more uh, in our society. And um, so, so yeah. That's, that's, that's uh, something that I've actually had different conversations with different people about loneliness. Mm. And it, it's, it's, it's a pandemic. It just keeps going more and more and more. And I think there's different factors that are, um, are kind of creating, uh, creating the increase in loneliness and suicides and deaths that we're seeing mm-hmm. in our society. Mm-hmm. With that being said, as a, as a man of God, um, what roles can, can, uh, can faith play if with, um, can, what roles can faith play in times of crisis? Mm, yeah. I mean, that's usually when faith comes out the most, right? Like I, I think everyone has, you know, it's interesting, like every spirituality, I think is kind of like physical physicality. Like we're all, everyone has spirituality in my view. Like you have a certain belief of who you are or why you're here. Everyone has some belief on that, you know, whether how unformed it might be. And I would argue some, everyone has a specific religion, you know, meaning a set, a set of beliefs of how you want to live your life and certain rituals, right? Whether it's a ritual of going to church or a ritual of, meditation or ritual of even watching netflix every night there's rituals we have there's religions we have set up uh sometimes the religion is just to own to our own kind of individual um uh need but um but yeah i think you know but we have faith as well everywhere you know i have faith that we have faith as we're talking that this thing is actually recording this thing and not screwing it up and we have faith that when we drive a car that when's red light someone will stop we have faith that the doctors know what they're doing we have faith everywhere you know and things that you know we don't really understand or see you have faith that for example there's a planet saturn none of us have seen it none of us we just seen pictures of it right and so i think uh faith is so fascinating and really as you said faith comes out in crisis moments right and that's one of the reasons why i'm trying to encourage men and women in the era of guard to develop their spirituality because if you don't have a developed spirituality and those painful crisis times come uh you will crumble right if you don't really understand why you're here in your existence in this world and you know, maybe you just had a loss of someone or you just got rejected by someone that you love. Um, those, that's when faith, your belief really comes out. And so, um, so I would say it's important both to have faith, right, but also to develop faith, right? Like I could have faith that, um, you know, alcohol will always be my friend. Alcohol will always help me when I'm in pain, when in crisis, you know. And cor- fortunately, a lot of families learn that belief, Right. We right. see that addiction, alcohol addiction, is generational. It's learned. It's caught. It's taught. Little kids see their parents dealing with stress, anxiety, the same drinking. They adopt that. They practice it, and they pass it on to their kids. Um, so there's a faith uh, or way of living that they've learned. And so it's important not just to have faith, but the question is what kind of faith, right? Uh, it is important to know what you believe, right? Like all religions aren't the same. All spirituality isn't the same, you know? Like there comes a point where you do have to make some choices, right? Like, why are we here, for example? You know, is it just to 
have fun and then we just kind of die and we become like atoms into the ground or there's something more meaningful that lasts beyond our actions matter our impact in other people's lives matter for maybe even eternity those things do matter so i I do think faith really is important to develop for everyone but especially in the military you know as things get heated in with china and things are heating up with ukraine um, there are clear predictions that we will be in military conflict within the, in the next decade, if not sooner. And I think this is a crucial time to understand what we believe and what, why we're here for each person. Um, yeah, before, when I look at World War II, there was a clear faith and belief of what we were here for, you know, a faith in God that many had. Again, it was different depending on your religion, but there was a faith in America, um, even like what we believe America is, is in conflict. There's a lot of divisiveness now. And so I think faith is going to be even more important in crisis because right now we have a lot of personal crisis that a lot of people are dealing with, loneliness, like you talked about. But I think we're going to start dealing with some bigger crises. Uh, there are things predicting some more financial crisis coming. Obviously, we're talking about war. Um, those things really shake you to a core. And hopefully you have a strong foundation where your house won't fall over, right? Yes. In the story, there's this... This guy named Jesus talks about the story that faith, not just faith, but a faith that you live out is a house that's built on ro- solid rock. Not on sand. Yeah, not, but yeah, one, a faith, it can be, what, and he doesn't say this, any faith. He says a faith that you live out versus a faith you don't live out. A faith that you don't live out is a, is a, house, on, is on, a house on sand, which will fall apart. And so right. I'm hoping and praying that more of us will have some more faith on solid rock that we're living out. You know, we know why we believe what we're doing and why we're here and where we're going and why is there evil and why is there good and all this good stuff. So, right. And, and, and uh, the biggest, like with faith, I think faith brings forth purpose when you have purpose, which is what a lot of um, us Americans are lacking, just the lack of purpose with that, with that lack that we have loneliness and then we have other issues that come with not having faith or any strong beliefs that you stand by. And uh, with that being said, I know in today's climate, it's kind of hard to talk about faith and stuff because a lot of people don't want to listen to it. So um, it's it's a it's a taboo. It's kind of a taboo subject. And that's kind of your job to be that mm-hmm. um, kind of the middle person between the, the conversation and the people. So how how can we deal with that? And how would you what is your advice on how to communicate that and not come off as being maybe intrusive or offensive. Right. Yeah, I think um, uh, I think it's important to have a lot of wisdom and shrewdness when you meet with people because it is true. You know, religion is a very sensitive topic, you know, and politics and religion, for example, but definitely more religion in my view. Um, uh, and I think that I always think it's important to leave with curiosity, right? Um I usually don't bring up religion at all when I meet with someone here at the base or in general, you know, I want to build trust, you know, if they bring it up, great. I mean, since I'm a chaplain and a pastor, they, they will bring it up, you know, like, oh, I grew up in the church or, hey, you know, I didn't really grow up in that. I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know, um, but I really believe in building trust, you know, that no matter how you grew up or if you grew up in a faith tradition or not, it's about curiosity, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I try to be more curious about, you know, where, like, what was that like growing up, like for you, you know, growing up with your grandfather, right, uh, as a pastor, you know, and um, what was it like growing up, you know, where'd you grow up again? Where'd I grew up in Cameroon. Cameroon, very yes. cool. And uh, like, yeah, what's that like, you know, and, you know, I know I've learned a lot about Nigerian culture at uh, HBS. There's a lot of Nigerians there, but that's different from Cameroon. And so, Correct. you know, what was that like for you or even like for you, just you personally? You know, I think just curiosity is really important because the opposite curiosity usually leads to judgment, you know. Um, and uh, I'm always working on that, especially with my wife, you know. I'm trying to always be curious right. uh, versus trying to fix it <laughs> or trying to uh, tell her what I think would be the good decision to make, you know, and that gets me in trouble. So, yeah, I think curiosity always. is a key, you know. And if you're someone who cares about faith and religion, you know, um, you'll probably bring it up at a l- later point, you know. Um, I think it's just, you know, it's important to know where people are at because some people, unfortunately, have been hurt by religion, you know, uh, by faith, by church, for example. And, uh, you know, that saddens me a lot because that has happened. Um, So, yeah, I think it's about building trust, leading with curiosity 
and allowing that topic to be a place to connect, you know, again, finding the places where you have common belief, you know, um, and maybe you don't want, you won't, right. But you'll be surprised that there are common, more common things than we, we have than other things that we're divided on. Right. So, so yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Chaplain Yi. Thank you for joining us today. It's been a very extensive conversation with you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and with us. And uh, we at the Zen Dens, we're very appreciative of you joining us. Thank you Yeah, very much. thank you so much. I love being here and uh, keep up the good work caring for our people. So thank you. Thank you, sir. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is Caitlin, your sexual assault response coordinator. Um, I had some exciting updates to put out, so I thought I would cover those this week. We had at least 10 people come out to help with the Teal Flag Project, and we've had a good amount of donations that came through for Independence House, so I'd like to thank everyone for that. Um, some of the updates I'd like to talk about is we now have a safe-to-report policy, so if there was a victim or survivor who was scared to come forward after they had been sexually assaulted, the safe to report basically protects them against minor collateral misconduct. Some of those common minor collateral misconducts that come up is underage drinking or an unprofessional relationship or violating a lawful order. Maybe like uh, if there was a curfew or off-limit locations they had gone to, um, now they will, will not be punished for stuff like that. Um, basically what happens is the commander will consult the SJA prior to making a final determination and they'll determine if the misconduct is minor or non-minor. Um, another great update that I'm excited to tell everyone about is the limited services for sexual harassment. Um, so we don't take the case, however, we can provide services now for people who have been sexually harassed. Um, so, for example, we can get you in contact with a special victims council to talk to them. Maybe you're not quite ready to go to EO yet, but you would like to talk to someone on the legal side who's not here at the command. You can always um, come to the SAPR office and we can get you in contact with them. We can also provide certain services if you wanted a victim advocate um, or if you just need help finding maybe a therapist or someone in town to talk to, we can help you with that. Um, if you've reported a sexual harassment and it has been stressful and you feel like your life is threatened, we can also help you with the process of getting a military protective order or a civilian protective order. Um, so I think that's really exciting with the program. Um, and if you have any questions about it, feel free to call me. Um, my number is 968-SAPPER. That's 7277. Thank you.